Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show. Uh, this week we've got a fantastic guest for you. It's Wes Hughes. Uh, Wes is the lead coach for the 15s and 16s at Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, top, top academy. Uh, Wes had a, a real great uh, distinguished career already, uh, as well as now as his second stint at Wolves. He's uh, worked at several other clubs as well, but uh, also spent a lot of time at Birmingham City's academy. Birmingham, obviously, famous for producing Jude Bellingham, amongst others, uh, lots of top players. They produced uh, in, in Premier League and World Football. Uh, Wes and I talk a little bit about actually about Jude Bellingham here. He was lucky to work with him in the foundation phase, but also in the 15s and 16s as well. So really interesting to see what a true outlier uh, looks like and how he develops and get his uh, thoughts on that. But Wes is just a real interesting, engaging, intelligent guy. I remember when I first met him when I went up to Wolves a couple of seasons ago, uh, seasons ago obviously Wolves used the My Personal Football Coach app at the academy. So I was lucky enough to spend quite a lot of time up there. Uh, just... just uh, immediately recognised him as being a real thoughtful engaging captivating guy who just talks about the game uh, with just a, a great thoughtfulness and intensity so I knew I want to get him on the show fortunately now we finally found some time to to get him on obviously he's a very busy guy but uh, this is one uh, I know you're really going to enjoy and if you are out there listen we've had like you know <clears throat> looking forward to the season not only Wolves um, looking forward to getting back and working with Arsenal West Brom Middlesbrough uh, Leighton Orient Cheltenham uh, all these other clubs and all the grassroots clubs around the world uh, getting the, the app ready for the new season going into these pro clubs and, and getting all this quality content to, for the boys to use the homework programme now they're cracking back on so if you're interested in how the My Personal Football Coach Club partnership can take your club or your federation to the next level just drop me a line you can set up a demo and uh, you can see uh, you can see why it's the you know it's, it's the world's leading individual technical training app and clubs the best clubs in the world are using it but without further ado let's get into the show so, Wes Hughes, welcome to the show. Cheers, mate. Thanks for, thanks for the invite. Cheers, mate. So, can you give us a brief outline of your playing and coaching journey up to this point? Yeah, certainly. Um, I had a non, non-league playing background. Um, started coaching grassroots um, at a Charter Standard Club. Um, that soon progressed on to a development centre in Notts County, um, and then Wolves, Birmingham, and then back at Wolves. Cool, that is good. That's probably the briefest one ever. I like it. Just uh, okay, cool. So it's always a similar sort of premise here. We talk about talk about your your first experiences at like grassroots level as you in you know your first roles in coaching. What was that like? Um, what the major you know the first things you, you learned as a you know as a novice coach? Well, the first first thing I learned was was how to pick up um, dog mess <laughs> off off a, off a grass <laughs> pitch. Um, I, was, I was thrown in the deep end to be honest. Um, a, a mate of mine. Um, he was an ex-professional I'd, I'd sort of played with and then played under um, a non-league level. Um, he sort of suggested to me. Um, it was kind of like a, a harsh one. It's like you know, you know, we've, we've seen our pre-seasons gone. Uh, don't don't think you're going to be playing much longer. Have you sort of thought about you know life after after this? And to be honest, I hadn't. Um, and he he was currently well, sorry, at the time he was um, sort of head of coaching at this Charter Standard Club, and he was running the first team needed a bit of help with some of the youth teams and, and sort of thought it'd be a good idea for me to um, sort of have a little dibble and see, see what, you know, what it was like. Um, you know, you'd, you'd had like these, 
you know, these these go-to practices that you had in your head from what you'd done with, with previous managers and so on and, and coaches. Uh, so he gave me a stack of cones, uh, about four balls and, and some 17-year-olds um, in a park. And that, that was my first experience, to be honest. Um, and how, how did that, how did that talk, about, talk about through that first session? I remember doing my first ever session. What was that first session like? My heart was in my mouth. My heart <laughs> was in my mouth. So, um, honestly, it was right out of my comfort zone. Um, I, I was I, at the time. I was I was a social worker, um, and and obviously on the side playing playing part time. Um, and you would never really been in that situation before. Um, you know, I'd, you'd you'd chip in as an older player with you know if the, if the manager had gone on holiday or something, and you know you'd put on a few sessions and some five O's to, to t- the lads to tick over till the gaffer got back, but nothing like that um you know bdi teenagers inner city uh lads who you know raring to go good footballers you know um some have been in academies dropped out so on and so on some just on the course so decent standard of players and you know being just in a deep end there and sort of just thinking on your feet no no session plan you know i, I wasn't expecting that i was just expecting him to sort of take the session and me to sort of like watch on and um like i say he just he just said like here's a cones crack on it the lads Lads will be here in like 10 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, cheers. So, you know, um, look, a lot of nerves, um, thinking on your feet, adapting. You know, I didn't know the standard of, of the players. Um, just literally just walked into it blind and, and looking back now, probably the best thing I've ever done. And so, and so how long did you spend in a grassroots club there and what sort of age groups did you work with? I worked right through the age groups, to be honest. They had, I was lucky enough, um, they had age groups from over 35s right down to under threes. Um, which they, they used to have, uh, I thought it was called mini trotters or something like that they were called, I can't remember. And they used to do like an indoor session in the centre of Birmingham um, in Newtown. And and I, I was lucky enough, like I say, to, I, I led the under-17s group, um, which then progressed on to the under-21s and then open age. But I'd worked with literally every age group um, at that club. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, ended up um playing for the over 35s after that as well. So, you know, I'd had a full view of, of sort of what it looks like from from top to bottom then, if you would, but but obviously at a grassroots level. So then how, how, did, that, how did the opportunity with Notts County uh, come about? Well, again, the the guy that got me involved with that um, that Charter Standard Club, which was Continental Star, they're quite like, one of the bigger, bigger clubs in Birmingham. Um and, and obviously do a lot of inner city work, you know, off the pitch as well. Some some really good work they, they do there. Um, he was actually doing an age group at Notts County um, and they, they had some slots in their development centre, which had come up. Uh, I think a guy had got a full-time job somewhere else and and, and, and they just needed a coach. Uh, at the time I was doing my, my level one and two um, and he'd sort of invited me to come down to initially do some uh, speed, speed and agility work with, with the players. That was some, something I was, you know, I had in my back pocket as well. Um, but, you know, that progressed soon on to some coaching. And then I, I started sort of coaching the under 12s there. And, yeah, that was another good experience. Again, a different standard of player uh, with dis- different aspirations, a bit more, bit more um, structure, obviously, being attached to a professional club. Um, and I was there for about six months. Uh, so that was a good experience. So, so tell us about that. Those, those what, the, what were those first experiences like in that academy environment? And then, in terms of you know, how, how did you like plan your sessions? I mean, what's the difference between working with those players and working with those boys down at the uh, grassroots clubs? Yeah, so I, I think like obviously they, like I said, they had a syllabus and a structure. Um, you know, the, the things were a little bit more plotted out, and 
times, you know, you, you have to be good with your timings. Um, like you say, you've got to you've got to be in sync with what what they're trying to achieve as as, as a club. Um, and and that was that was kind of their development centre, but it was a big feeder into into their academy at the time. Um, and, and and I say they, they had some good standard of players. I had a bit more guidance from coaches who had more experience, um, and it was just really a humbling experience to sort of see what it looks like on on the other side, and 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 sort of you know the the aspirations of the players is slightly different as well. Um, you know they they come wanting more. They want to. They want to learn, you know, they want to progress into the academy. So, again, you know, I'd say probably you, you, the focus, the focus of the players was was different. Um, the intensity of the sessions were higher. Um, yeah. And, and again, like I say, there was, there was coaches there who, who you could sort of lean on for, for advice and, and support. And whenever, you know, you were reflecting on how your session went, you know, you could you could get that bit of advice, which was key. Remember what your like typical session would look like back then with the under twelves? Oh goodness, um, <laughs> messy, um, <laughs> a lot of chaos, <laughs> um, mm. a lot of me kind of thinking on my feet and thinking, well, you know, what is is this, you know, actually achieving what what I set out to? Um, quite often, changing last minute, um, a lot of questioning yourself, um, you know. You'd probably be looking over at the other sessions at the same time, thinking, "How is this going so smooth?" You know, um, yeah. And, and I guess, I guess it was just a, a massive learning curve, really. What were the main differences between coaching those twelves and the seventeens you've been working with previously? I think um, the, the biggest difference for me was sort of the the lads, the lads that were were seventeens. They were like pretty much a lot of inner city city-based kids who probably didn't have as much support as the um, as the lads who, who was working with at Notts County. You know, quite often you'd see kids pulling up with two parents, um, you know, in, in in posh cars and different things, and they were on time, which was a big thing. Um, which I, that was one of the massive differences. These kids were on time. They, they 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 had all their gear. They had you know drinks. They had you know little fuel bars and, and different things. It just you know, I, I was having lads turn up, no boots, shin pads, not one shin pad. You know, one kid turned up in jeans the one day. Um, you know, he couldn't get in his house. This was 17s. Um, you know, him and his mum had, had had some some tiff and something about college and whatnot, and he, she wouldn't let him in. And he still came to football, you know, um, and that was his that was his outlet. Um, like I say, the, the the focus of these kids were, were slightly different. Um, you know, quite often with the, the grassroots stuff, you'd be going around, you'd be picking players up on match days. Um, you know, some kids couldn't go across the city because of gang warfare and postcodes and different things. And it, it was just, it was this different world, just a, a total different world. Um, so you, you're, you, you see where I said you're working social, you're working in social work at the time. Yeah. How important of, was that then in terms of what, how beneficial for that was you helping you understand those kids from those sorts of environments? And Yeah, certainly. So the, 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 I was based in a school for the city council at the time. Um, I worked there for 13 years and I was a pastoral lead there. And um, obviously I, I worked with kids from, from the inner city as, a, for, as part of my day job. And all these kids were statemented with, with special needs, some, you know, on the autistic spectrum, some, um, you know, behavioural difficulties, you know, they, they would have some sort of statement um, and social emotional difficulty. Um, so that that was key for me, to be honest. And 
it's something that I overlooked even reflecting now so many years down the road that that was an invaluable experience for me because you know you, you were used to managing conflict you were used to you know that conflict resolution um you know all those kind of solution based sort of thinking um preempting stuff um you know gauging moods building relationships was a key one for me um and understanding people from different backgrounds so i could have a kid who's you know from an affluent background and you could have a kid who's from an inner city, deprived area, parents on drugs. Do you know what I mean? But they they were suffering with with, with the similar conditions um, as far as their their emotions and their emotional regulation. Um, you know, different statements in needs. They had the same, but they were coming from different backgrounds. So it was just, it, that you know understanding how to to deal with different individuals was key, massive. I think it's quite interesting that. I remember when I first joined Tottenham, John McDermott had recently taken over and he talked about there was, they said very few players were within the, uh, the North Circular in London. A lot of players came from suburbs, from the outdoor wealthy backgrounds. And I think there was a big conscious change to change that. And, I, I, and I'm just wondering how, like, you know, I think for coaches sometimes when a player comes in from a different environment with different, those different personalities, sometimes they can be seen as you know, difficult or challenging maybe, or, you know, because maybe they, they become with the different mentality or from a different environment. How far do you think academy football's come generally in terms of getting more players in from different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and understanding, you know, differences and, and things like that? I think it, I think it's not just the players, it's the people. So the people make the environment, don't they? So I think we've seen it in schools where, you know, certain communities are underrepresented. And I think that's that's been a, a massive change in academy football now. So as a black coach myself and in an environment where, you know, you've, you've come to Wolves quite a lot, you know, you, you, you see it's represented of, of, of the local community now. So if you look at the staffing structure, um, you know, the demographic, you know, is representative of an inner city, Birmingham or Wolverhampton sort of city or town. So I think that that's been, been a key um, change in academies and we are seeing a lot more diversity across across the academy um, systems but i still think there's room for growth as well there's 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 other support that's needed to to support these communities and and change those those views and and stereotypes to be honest yeah because i was spending one coming from london i know i've spoken to one of my my friends talking about these for example the south asian community in london how underrepresented that is in academy football and just in football generally yeah. And, you know, someone maybe the perceived uh, biases or, you know, stereotypes you have in there. It's interesting to think about how we can progress that. You know, it's like you say, make it more representative of the communities where these clubs are based. I think, I think it, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a big one. I, I always use this one. It, it, seeing is believing for me, for a lot of people. It is for me, definitely. And, like, if I can see somebody who looks like me, behaves like me and is from a place like me, I'll believe that I can achieve that. And I'll go back to something which my mom said. My mom's um, got an education background. Um, you know, she's done a master's in education. She's a teacher for, I don't know, 30 odd years and, and came out of education. She's, she's working for the Department of Work and Pensions now. It's a side, side issue. But when I was leaving the city council, my mom said to me, how could you leave a secure job to go into something that's so unpredictable like football? I don't understand. Now... <laughs> My mum's never been one to sort of say, apart from get up and go to school, do your work, work hard, be clever. She does, she's not really someone who kind of tries to make your mind up for her. And that was the first time she tried to intervene 
making a decision, which was key at the time. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was taking the plunge into, <laughs> yeah, into the unknown. Um, I was going from part-time, part-time working in academy to full-time. And she actually said, so I wonder how many people would suffer that same fate as kids. So I was a grown man making that decision. Nobody was going to change my mind. I knew what I wanted to do. But if I was 18, 19, getting that opportunity, and she was probably saying, well, you know, do you really want to give up uni to go into full-time football? I'd have probably knocked it on the head. I'd have probably gone with that that advice from your parent who's got more life experience on it. If I look at, you know, like you said, the South Asian community, you look at different communities, you know, other Asian communities, a, a, lot, a lot of the parents, their experiences of professional football has, has not been positive when they've gone to, 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 to watch football. You know, they might have suffered abuse and whatever. And they've got negative, you know, sort of connotation mindset around around professional football. Um, and it's interesting to see how that would affect the mindsets of the young people as well. You think maybe there could be on the other side as well, confirmation bias in terms of recruitment, maybe, you know, people think, oh, from maybe from those players from those communities, maybe don't generally go, so maybe they don't maybe select those those players. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, if you, if you look if you look across like the Premier League, um, the highest level, you know that it's it's underrepresented, isn't it? So, people like naturally that's going to form part of your bias if you're out looking for players and you think, well, how many of them get through? That that's something I banded around. You know, how many of them actually mm-hmm. get through? Do you know what I mean? And and then people will throw out like you know Amaris or something. Like, well, he's not really from here, is he? You know, he's had a different culture. It's the same. It's the same makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but it's it's just you know, and and I think that's the bit that, that will need to change over time. And and look, it it will happen. You know, it happened with other communities. You know, there were you know there weren't many black players. You know, some some years ago, uh, certainly representing internationally. And now you look at the makeup of the international team, you could virtually field a, a black first team, and they're going to yeah. be successful. So. You know, there, there's hope, um, and that's that's a positive thing. Okay, so let's let's uh, move on this to talk about then how you, you left Knox County. What happened after that? Where did you go after Knox County? Yeah, so again, I, I'm a big believer in one can influence their look. Um, so I was, like I said, coming towards the end of playing football, you know, seriously, um, and. A mate of mine, funnily enough, uh, we we were coaching. So a bit of a long, a short, long story. So um, I'll cut it down. We were working together at a Saturday camp, as well as I was doing the Knox County stuff, as well as playing. So I was football virtually seven days a week. So we're doing this Saturday camp um, together, and he was kind of like a team leader for this Sat- this Saturday club kind of thing, um, and used to do like local schools and stuff like that. That's that was the main. Um, part of their business and then they used to do these, these little Saturday camps. Now, it was a typical thing at goals, power league, whatever. Um, and there was a range of kids from three years old to 12 years old. Anyone could turn up. Um, the pay, I don't know what it was, three, four pound and they leave their kid there for two two hours. We do some fun games, some skill games, whatever. Um, and then they play a games or games at the end or whatnot. So, you know, it was all fun, fun and games. So we were doing that he was doing his B license at the time and he was working at Wolves, um, working part-time with their under nines, I think at the time. And he phoned me up on a Sunday. So, you know, it's after a Saturday night and everyone knows what happens after football on a Saturday. So I've got up with a heavy head, um, phones going. And it, it got, if it wasn't him or my mum, I wouldn't have answered the phone to be honest. Um, 
And I thought it must be something if he's calling me at this stupid hour in the morning. He's like, where's I need a favour? What, mate? He's going, um, look, I'm doing my B licence. Some lads have let me down. I need an 8v8 to pass pass my thing. Oh, God, cheers. How many players do you need? Four. All right, no problem. So I've got onto the lads that I was coaching at the time, the, the 17s. Said, look, lads, I need need some help. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So we all landed. Um, you got your boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up playing in this 8v8. Now, at the time, um, Mark Campbell, who's now working for the Premier League, he was the foundation lead phase at Wolves at the time. And he'd came down to obviously offer support with, with um, John. And um, we played on this course. Anyway, he, he, asked, he asked John to ask me to stay back after. He just wanted to have a chat with me. And obviously during the game, once you start playing, you, you do as you do. You start organising, pulling people here, there. Yeah, push up one, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just talking through the session. So um, he said, it seems like he knows a bit about, about the game. <laughs> do I like so um, we had a chat after and he just said, like, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, I'm at Notts County. He said, oh, it's a bit of a trick for you going from Brom over there. I said, oh, yeah, I don't really see it like that. It's experience, different things. He's like, would you fancy coming down, having a look at, at Wolves? I said, yeah, yeah, surely I'll, I'll come down, have a look. Um, went down, had a chat with him, spoke about some pre-academy stuff um, and potentially coming in and shadowing in the academy. Which seemed like a you know a better better option at the time. Um, they were uh, they were a category one um, club at the time, and obviously, like I said, I was doing development centre stuff with with Notts County, so it was a good opportunity to progress really um, and a bigger club, if you would. So um, I took the opportunity, went there, started coaching um, one hour a week to start off with, and that was at a, a separate campus uh, just to you know get find my feet and sort of learn how they work. Um, that was good, good experience, you know, five and six-year-olds um, at the time, seven-year-olds, um, coaching at, I think it was one of the Warsaw campuses, so I was doing that. That soon progressed on to four or five hours a week, so I started working with their more elite um, development centres, which was at Aldersley, and then that soon progressed on, like I said, to shadowing in the academy with him, and then um, I started working with him with the under-11, so he was the foundation for his lead and I was sort of his assistant at under 11s. Yeah. So, that's so how long did you spend at Wolves in that, in that, that time? I think, I think it was about two, I think it was about two and a half years I'd done there um, in that, that period. Um, and then another opportunity came up um, just via, again, being on a course with some people, um, some guys that I'd sort of played against over, over sort of like my playing time. And we sort of like met up on the course and we were do, I think we were doing like, uh, I think it was the module two or something like that. And we got chatting. Um, yeah. So another opportunity so, come up. Yeah. So let's, so let's just, just go first back to Wolves then. What yeah. were your first, what's your first impressions there? What are, what are the first things you noticed about the difference between that environment and then what you'd experienced previously in your grassroots or in Notts County? Sorry, sorry, so you cut out then what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna change my I'm gonna change my um internet connection because yeah, I'm having a bit of trouble now. So so what so what are the major differences between what you experienced at Wolves, initial sort of, you know, experiences and compared to what you experienced previously at Knox County in the grassroots level? Yeah, this this was a whole new level. Um massive difference like 
session plans are on PDFs. Um, PMA, I've never heard of that. Um, now responsible for, for reporting, recording, um, giving feedback to players. Um, you know, there was a lot more structure in place, a lot more to learn. Um, obviously, as you know, the expectations are going to be a lot higher um, at the time. They were Premier League club at the time, yeah. Um, you know, it was... <laughs> It was like wow, like ev everything was different. Like what's what the kit man? You know, kit man's giving you cones, and you know, he's, he's run funny, the funniest kit man you've ever met. Like you know, there's your twenty cones. You've got you've got X amount of bibs. Make sure they're back in there. You know, it's just like <laughs> it was just everything was just like bang, bang, bang. I was like wow, um, you know, it was just it was just a whole new world. You know, warm ups was thought about, timing structured. You know, more staff you know, sports science, physio for each group. And it was just, yeah, just a whole new world. And, so, and but what's the thing about, like, from a coaching perspective, what, I mean, I know Mark, a friend of mine as well, top coach, I've known him since Sue's foundation there. What yeah. the main, what the main takeaways you took as him working with, like, the 11s and that sort of thing as a, you know, what did you take on board as, as, a, as, a, as a coach developing yourself? Yeah, I thought, like, obviously, like, from like, a lot, a lot about the, the game. So lots of tactical stuff, um, you know, started to think about, about, you know, structure and how that works and how individuals can thrive within that structure, um, connecting with individuals, challenging individuals. Differentiation was a big thing I picked up from Mark, you know, working with, with, with players of different abilities and, and how you get the best out of them. Um, and pushing, you know, your strivers. How do we, how do we, you know, stretch them within that, within that environment, within the same group? Um, likewise, your copers and your strugglers. You know, how how do you sort of make everything appropriate for all? I thought that was like, wow, I've, I've never thought about that. You know, you, everyone knew the best player was when you was playing in whatever team you were playing in, but yeah. I don't think you ever really gave it thought as to well how are we going to make sure that he's the best player or the, the, the next one behind him gets past him or, you know, it was just, that was never a thought in your, in your mind and never really spoken about in any, any sort of football world that I was in before. Yeah. So that, that would be like the sort of takeaways. For me. Uh, um, and what, what was, what was the, the, the philosophy of the club like at the time that or the foundation phase, how did they, you know, what the sessions looked like or the themes yeah. or the, the priorities? Yeah. So it, it was a lot about, um, you know, there's a lot of technical stuff going on at the time. I think they'd had a bit of a shift at the time, and it was it was kind of like getting the lads comfortable with the ball um, as individuals. Then there was a lot of stuff around, sort of like you know your basic passing and receiving skills, um, sort of individual and group understanding, but small group understanding. Um, that was kind of like the philosophy at the time in the foundation phase. And then as it progressed up to kind of like the 11s, it started to kind of get a bit more tactical. Um, and we'd have, you know, certain sessions that were kind of more tailored toward obviously the game. Um, but there was a good balance of sort of small-sided games and and sort of like, the you know, what the larger picture will start to look like for the, the following year kind of thing. So that was drip-fed in. Did you have a feeling at the time, did you say, did you always think that you wanted to work with the older players, the older age groups? No, it's not something I actually thought about, which is weird. Um, I'm not working with older players now. Um, I'd work with obviously older players um, in a grassroots level and work with younger players, but I kind of found a lot more joy working with the younger ones, the innocence. Um, it leaned a little bit towards the way my bias of, of the game should, should be. Um, people expressing themselves and 
kids trying things that just like just look ridiculous like you, you're just thinking how's he even tried that there mm. um I, I really really captured me um and sort of brought me back to my youth and that freedom um I just I just like the innocence that they played with um the, the, the young ones at the time and the energy just enthusiasm they're just always buzzing you know there's you know you, you'll have sec- two seconds sort of cry if someone thought the blame passed the ball to him or something like that but it was never long lived it was just like right, that happened I forgot about it they're, they're, they're off again it was just like I just love that freshness about that that age to be honest so was there was there a lot of freedom for the players there from like nines to elevens allowed to go out and be creative or how much structure was that you talked about more tactics in the eleven so mm-hmm. in the elevens how much what was the balance between you know team play and structure and individual freedom and express yourself yeah, and be creative the, one, of, one of the things that I thought at the time we We've done a lot of stuff around freedom and creativity in the, in the game, in the training. But I didn't necessarily see that in the games. I don't think there was a, a massive transference in the game. I think it, ca- it came onto game and it become kind of like too structured at times, I felt. Um, and I, I, I didn't really realise that until I actually left the environment, which was, was kind of strange. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about then your next opportunity. You talked about it, it came along. What was that then? And, and, and what did you do? So, um, you know, I got got a call um, from a lad that we'd had a few ding-dongs, to be fair, on, on playing against each other. But I think you, you almost get like a, a mutual respect for each other. Um, and it was never nasty. It was always, you know, within the laws of the game. The laws of the game were different back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. But, we, you know, you had that sort of mutual respect and, you know, that, 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 that you know, evil sort of nice sort of nod to each other sort of like when you've seen each other but we we got to know each other on this course a bit better um, like I said on that module too um, and it, you know you got chatting and like I think it was a place in Cov and you used to have to go out and get your lunch from Tesco's and different things and then come back on the breaks and that so you know you jump in my car and whatnot and we were from Birmingham and whatnot and we got chatting and we got on like a house on fire which is you know crazy and I remember we exchanged numbers there and then a few months after he gave me a call and he was like, look, there's an opportunity's come up. Um, it's uh, it's an assistant, an assistant uh, academy coach, which is what I was doing at Wolves. But um, there were some benefits. So I, I was working at a school which was literally five minutes away from their training ground as opposed to driving, like so doing a full, full day at work and then driving across in rush hour traffic you know five days a week and then on the weekend as well to, to go to Wolves so it was you know it, it, it was a no-brainer to be honest um, I, I went over I had a look um, they were doing things differently at, at Birmingham at the time and I thought there's a massive opportunity to go and learn some new stuff um, it felt right I don't know you just get this feeling um, I remember the academy manager at the time wasn't too pleased Gareth, Gareth Prosse he's now working at the Premier League as well he's you know, he said, "Look, you, you, you're young in terms of your coaching. Um, I see, I see some potential in you, and I really think if you stay, you know, you, you'll develop here." And I said, "Look, I, I totally appreciate the opportunity and, and the confidence, what confidence, but I just, I just can't turn down this opportunity. I just, just had a gut feeling that it was the right thing to do, um, uh, and as well as what I've already said, logistically it made sense. Um, and yeah, I took the plunge again." <laughs> So you went in there as a what age group assistant? Yeah, so I went in to do the under-11s assistant with, okay. again, the foundation phase lead at the time. It was Carl Hooper. Um, okay. And same again, like I say, we hit off. We, we, we had a good good relationship, good working relationship. 
uh, we're a bit yin and yang in terms of how we we sort of came across to the kids. So I was kind of Mr. Calm, laughy, jokey guy, and he was kind of like Sergeant Ranger, but then Mr. Fun when he needed to be as well. So it kind of worked, um, kind of worked. So I, not say good cop, bad cop, but we, I think, I think the way that we worked worked well for the kids, to be honest. Yeah. So tell us about you said they were doing things differently. What, what was different? Their their focus. They used um, at the time a prem skill. I think Premier Skills thing. Um, they were using heavily, and then it was mixed in with Curva and mixed with their own kind of flavour. So it was kind of like, you know, the best coaches are the best thieves, aren't they? So they 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 sort of built their philosophy around kind of different philosophies and just picked from the best. Well, what they felt was the best bits from that, and then added their own little spin to it. Um, and it, I, I really liked it. It was it was a lot about the individual, um, you know, honing skills um, from a very young age. Every, every child, ball each, um, and it was. I felt the intensity of the sessions were were. I, I've never seen kids sweat like that. I'm ne- like literally, my whole life, I was like, wow, like what is going on here? It was every single session was like up there, like like 90 to 100 like just the kids were at it um the smiles on faces competitive tackles flying in it looked it just yeah it was just just a different environment i think i think the environment was kind of um enhanced by the fact that the dome was so small as well so they only had like a 60 by 40 dome so everything was tight (laughs) it was no choice especially in the winter so it wasn't like I'm going to plan to do 11v11. There was no 11v11, so you do tight work. Like, literally, that was it. Um, you know, if you'd get you'd get the full dome on a Wednesday night um, at under 11s, like, once a week, and that was their only big work. So they were almost forced to do a lot of small stuff. Um, yeah. Give us an idea, then, what a typical session would look like. Talked about one ball each, and then what else? I mean, give us so, like that typical yes. session. So literally, they, they, they would start the session with the ball. There was no jogging up and down and all this business running around pitches. It was literally 15 minutes with a ball, um, purposeful ball work. Um, you know, everything from, your, you know, your Ronaldo, Chuck, your zigzag, your, your, your Zidane, your, everything. The kids were doing literally ridiculous things with, with the football. I, was, I didn't think the kids at that age could do that with a ball. Um, uh, I, I was lucky enough at that time in that group I had like Jude Bellingham who's now obviously playing the Champions League. He he was in that group. Um some of the good players as well who've gone on doing really well now, Myra Miller, who's played for their first team. You know, good players. Um, you know, other boys who've progressed on to other other clubs and doing well professional contracts at other clubs, Aidan Finnegan, different boys. Yeah. What was um, Jude Bellingham like as eleven year old? Exactly what he's like now, just bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, he just does things quicker, and yeah, it was exactly the same for me. I don't see much so difference. To give us some, some of this coming, all the coaches there, you want some of those juicy details. Give us some more of these sessions ideas from you know those back then, and you know, yeah, so stuff was going on. So yeah, so that would be the start of every session, and that would be free yeah. academy. So we used to, I, I worked seven days a week there um, during that wow. time, uh, where like literally seven days a week we had um, myself, Carl. <laughs> Uh, Brookie, um, there was was a few of us uh, names. Ian, there was a couple couple other lads um, that that were part time, but 
there was only Carl who was full time in the foundation phase. Everybody else was was part time and used to just have a day job and then come in on the, on the night. So everyone was chipping in, and that's why we ended up working so much. So you 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 literally do, you know, you do the sevens, the eights, then do your do your age group, and then you know what I mean. Like they'd go off to do classroom, and then you do do them when they came back out. Like so, it was just it was just constant. But the sessions would be 15, 15 minutes standard with a ball. That was like I say, foundation right through to the two elevens. Um, you then progress on. You do you do a technical where it'd be. It wouldn't it wouldn't be unopposed. It'd be at least semi opposed so an overloaded practice. But it would definitely it wouldn't be passing around mannequins or cones and or whatnot. Um, and then it would go to a tactical sort of base game. So it might be like a, a switching game or an end zone game. There was a purpose to where the ball was going. Um, you know, or if it's a defensive practice, it was that. One coach would be looking at the in possession stuff. One would be looking at the outs. So you, both coaches working, um, and ev- ev- everything everything was like based on how they want to play. So it was <clears throat> it was just height, width, and depth. That was the structure, and that was about the most tactical information that was given. Um, and then the rest of it was just space gaps. Where can we play through as an individual? Where can you link with someone to get through? So it was always that progressive sort of mindset in terms of players um, players are encouraged to take players on in all areas of the pitch so um, the goalie was encouraged to stay with the ball the centre backs right through the team um, <coughs> the, the, the so, so, it's, it's, in, so it's, it's interesting then it was I mean think about the players they produce you know your Redmonds your Greys and obviously your Bellingham players who are one v one players all around the pitch so it's just like having that culture isn't it where you you know I suppose it's the fruits of your labour. You concentrate on those sorts of things as at the young age groups. They're the sorts of players you're going to produce, so, right? Well, uh, you are what you repeatedly do, aren't you? Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I just think if you've got the freedom and you're encouraged to do whatever that is that you're trying to achieve, then you're going to get more success at doing that, I believe. If, if you commit to it, you don't keep hop, skipping and jumping away from it. You, you bear in mind the other things that you're going to need, but at what stages? And I think you... I think as a for me, you've got to decide what you're willing to trade off. So there, there will be some trade offs with that. Um, we we would we'd win, lose, and draw games at random times. Like there was no, we're definitely going to win this game. We're definitely going to lose this game. You, you just if that was your focus in terms of the, the the result, all the best. But if you look long term now, I'd say they they won. Got a boy playing against Man City and you've got, you know, a real Ferdinand and, a, you know, people who played at the top saying he needs to play for the first team, you know, internationally, you'd say that they've probably done something right. Yeah. What was it like, Birmingham, obviously, historically, you know, financially, maybe not as in a better place and, you know, maybe some of his other Midland rivals, you know, your Villas and your Wolves and that. Was that was it? Was it a tougher environment to do? Was it you know things you know on a bit more of a shoestring budget, that sort of thing? Definitely on a shoestring budget. Um, I thought that they built a really good culture at the time. Um, I think, especially because I was working in the foundation phase predominantly at that time, so that's what I I seen most of at the time. Um, and and what I seen it, it was representative of the the culture of Birmingham. Birmingham, the the known as working. City is, you know, there's, there's, there's loads of industry. You go down, dig, buff, you see factories. 
you know, you, you walk around, there's, there's literally businesses flying off every, every, you know, high street you go, there's, there's something cracking. So for me, it was, it was do that and survive or, or don't do that and don't survive. So that, that's representative Birmingham. So that's kind of what the, the, the academy stood for. Um, they, they, it was, you know, you've got to graft, you've got to work hard um, to achieve. So that, that was kind of like the, the nooks and crooks of it. Um, and then I think, I think we knew that we had to work harder than everybody else at the time. So if you think about recruitment, if you was to come to Birmingham at the time, I mean, look, they've improved massively now and they've you know, invested back into the environment. But at the time, the grass pitches weren't as good as what they are now. Um, they didn't have, you know, lights up. So they, they recently have now. But, you know, we all our, <laughs> all our indoor sessions, 16s down, would, would be in a, in a 60 by 40 dome throughout the whole winter. You know what I mean? We were having to train off-site when I went into the older age groups with with, with my dads. We, you know, we our sixteens were, were training on the other side of Birmingham. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, people are, you know, smoking around the outsides and kids are, you know, drinking and all sorts. Like not an environment that you'd say is conducive to your, your modern day academy. And that that was recently. You know, the Jude was over there training with us at the time, and you look at that and you think. We're training on a school astro pitch. It's bubbling all over the place. Middle of winter, winds blowing us all over the place. Like literally, just a joke. But we knew that we had to. We knew that we had to from recruitment's perspective. You know, you, you, you go and walk around another club in the Midlands. If, if you look at aesthetics, you you wouldn't have gone to Birmingham. So we knew that the program. It was a program that was gonna. We had to sell. So. You know, we had to give a good product. If, you, if, if we couldn't sell a good product to the parents. And to be fair, you know, when I, when I look at what they've achieved and certainly achieved when, when I was there, you know, they did get some of the best players around the Midlands in. And it, it does matter. You know, your coaching program can be what, whatever you want it to be. Ultimately, you've got to get, you know, good potential in the building to start with. Um, it's always a good starting place and then you can you can build from there. And then, so tell us about then you progressed up into the YDP. Tell us about that. Yeah, so same again. I never thought about it. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I was enjoying my time pre academy. We, on a Saturday, we'd do a session in the morning and then we'd, we'd take a, a team to play around Robin at Arsenal or, or Man City on the afternoon. We wouldn't be getting back till seven, eight o'clock on the night. That's your whole day done. You know, I, I, but I just buzzed off it. I was like loving it and, and whatnot. And um, I'd, I'd obviously I'd, I'd gone on to lead the 11s. Um, that that I think it was this, that season or the second season when I went over. I can't remember. Um, and that, you know, got a feel for it. Like actually leading a group now and stuff like that, and got you a bit between the teeth. And you know, you could start to implement some of your own sort of ideas and different things. You know, within the philosophy. Um, and then the opportunity come up to, to, to I think it was the twelves, yeah. So I started in the YDP with the twelves, um, moved on to the thirteens, and then me and Mike done the fifteens and sixteens, and that was that year when obviously Jude started to to get a lot of the um, sort of press that he was getting at the time, positive press. So, yeah, what was, was your transition game. like as a coach from small sided to eleven, the eleven, the large format of the game? How did you? What were the major major challenges for yourself in terms of, you know, developing and becoming tactically developing yourself and obviously delivering for those players when the, the game? Yeah, so up? like I say, I mean, a lot of my focus at the time would have been, you know, technical based um, in the in the younger age groups, and not that that 
you know, was pushed to the side because certainly it wasn't. Um, but there was a more tactical focus now. So you're now having to understand systems, understand how uh, the pros and cons of, of playing a certain system. Um, and you can have systems all you like, but you've got to have individuals who can operate within that system. And then it was understanding, you know, you might have, I don't know, right back, but he's actually better served playing as your holding midfielder against a certain type of player in this particular game. And it, and you have to think on your feet a little bit more where in the small-sided games was usually who 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 sort of, it was more basketball, isn't it? You know, if all truth be told, it's kind of, you know, you have it, we have it, you have it, we have it. And there's no like sustained possession of, you know, it's a kid gets it. He's what he just wants to go and he's just <laughs> off. And, you know, very, I mean, even the players struggled with it. That was one of the biggest challenges I found at Birmingham. And that was one of the trade-offs. It's like they went from literally, you know, picking the ball up from the keeper, dribbling through the whole team and like smashing it in the top bin to like, I'm trying to run from where the keeper is now and I'm blown up by the time I get to the, the halfway line. So it was like, wow, like, you know, it was a transition for them. So it's getting them to understand, you know, you might have to kind of play within the structure a little bit more and so on and so on. But yeah, it was kind of more the tactical things for me and and sort of, again, having to learn and understand, um, you know, well, they're doing this now. We might have to do that. And that that probably wasn't something that you, you really consider. You, you, you know, you don't really have to adapt. It's more about individuals and moving individuals around rather than, well, actually what we're actually doing now is having no effect on them or their best player. We're not, we're not nullifying and so on. So you're having to think about more things. Yeah. And how challenging was it in terms of only you know, working those tight spaces in the dome, maybe when you're sharing spaces, was it difficult in terms of just session design in terms of, you know, right. So, everything's really, really tight and then you get into a game and everything's really, really big and spaced out. Yeah, yeah. So even from like, um, if you think like from, from a physical perspective for the players, like conditioning them to dealing with that. So like I said at the time, um, we, we didn't used to take out the young ones out of school at, at, in that, those those kind of younger years. Um, so you never they never really got any exposure to that bigger pitch until the Saturday morning before the game. So you'd have your, your one session before the game, obviously, you know, you had to restrict how much they actually worked on that day as well because they were playing the following morning. And, you know, it, that was a real big challenge because you, you're asking them to understand these spaces, but you've actually not exposed them to that space throughout their whole diet of their week. And then you're, you're, you're asking them to go and do it and be successful at it on a Sunday, probably against someone who's done it three times in the week. So it's like... You know, that, that, that was a bit of um, a challenge. Um, but they soon addressed that a few few years down the line and they introduced the day release and different things and that kind of, did, did kind of address certain issues, to be honest. And so tell us a bit about the, the man in question, Jude Bellingham, then as a 15 and 16s, I mean, you saw him as he, in the foundation phase. What was he like, you know, in terms of, did you just, he was, just, was he an outlier then? You could just tell he was destined for the top. Yeah, I... This might sound ridiculous and, and some people go, what's he on about? But it's, it's happened and I'm, I'm glad it has. I mean, he's a good kid, great family, um, the young brother, good, you know, good, really, really good. Um, and you, you look at them and, and you go, at nine years old, because I obviously we were aware of him even when I wasn't at the club. At nine years old, I watched him, I watched him at nine at, at Leicester. Um, and I think we had a round robin thing in there and I watched him at nine and I went, who's this kid? And then 
obviously he was 10 because he's a young one you know he's it's a July birthday so he's not 18 yet which is even more ridiculous when you think about it and uh, un, like under 11s is a 10 year old one of the youngest in the group you could see then like and then when he went into the YDP it... hello Wes Yeah, so once he entered the YDP, for me, he was a dead sir. Um, I think he was 14, and I think there was a recovery group training uh, in the first team, and that was on the Sunday. So, we, again, it's not really typical of, 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 a, of a youth development phase, but we used to train on Sundays as well, um, providing the lads didn't go to like a, like a Newcastle or somewhere ridiculously far. Um, most YDP would be off on a on a on a Sunday, but we used to bring the boys in for technical training um, and a bit of gym because again we couldn't use the gym at times because again we're a small small club. But yeah, um, he had the opportunity to go and train with the first team, and I remember me and Dodsey went over, and there's just no fear and, and personality. Was, you know, he was chirping with the, the 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 first teamers and having a bit of banter and. One of them went for him a little bit, to be fair, because he did megged him, and um, it was like they were doing some rondos and that. And typical first, you know, you do that again, you little, you, you'll soon know. And and he done it, done it again, and like, all the other lads were crying like the first teamers, and it was just like from there, you just went, he don't, he don't care, he, he come for him, he don't mind, and 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 again, they might have just done that to test him and, and see what he's about, and obviously they would have heard lots about him prior, so yeah. Um, you could just see from like the sessions. I seen like after that he started going in with them more often. We had to be really skillful at the time around his schooling and stuff. Um, I remember, I remember the one, one. I think it was the last, probably the last time he trained with us on the evenings. So he was chuntering in this session. He was chuntering in this session, and um, he walked past me and Dodzy, and he went, "Your session shit." <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. And it, and Dodgy was fearing, I remember. And um, he, you could see, like, he wanted to go back. And I said, Dodgy, just leave it, leave it. And he, he turned around to me and he went, you know what? He's done. He's done here. And it, it was almost like closure. Like, yeah, you can't service him anymore in this in the, within that group at the time. And oh, there were good players in the group, but he needed a new challenge. You know, he, yeah. he'd done that. He'd done that for two years now you know since 12 he was with the 16 so he was like he's already done that I've, I've, I've achieved that now I need, you need to give me another challenge and that was a big learning curve for me as a coach like when is when is the right time for someone um, and I think we've got this thing in, in academy football we've got they've got to earn it they've got to do this but what does earn look like sometimes if the challenge is not correct for the individual you might not you might not see them earn it in the way that you want to see them earn it. So I think it's it's about understanding individuals and what makes them tick, you know, and, and what I think once you once you identify that, and it might not be you as a coach, it might be the player identifies it and you've got to be humble enough to to take that and say they know what makes them work. Um, 
and it's are you willing to sort of come to an agreement or you know meet halfway on what's the next decision for that person um i don't i don't think it should all be player led i don't think it should be all coach led i think you, you know, i don't think it should be all parent led you know i think you've got to you've got to work together and there's there's situations where i've seen it work it's when people are more in sync um and there'll be disagreements along the way and different things but i think if people genuinely know deep down that you're trying to help them i think they'll they'll get on board um and i and i think those are the those are the situations where I've seen more success for the for the child. Yeah. So, so let's tell us about your, your obviously your current role. Tell us about how that came about. You've gone back to your previous club. Yeah, so again, um I, I was I was contacted and said, look, you know, there's a role going. Um it's it's out there, it's open. Um, you know, if you, if you'd like to apply, um, you know, there's there's gonna be some strong candidates and so on and so on. Um but yeah, you know, I thought I was ready for a change. Um, <clears throat> I, at the time at Birmingham, I was doing a dual role. So I was head of safeguarding and, and academy coach as well. So it was quite a you know big responsibility and a lot of workload. Um, and it was an opportunity to just focus on just my coaching and just try and get better at what, you know, my real passion was and what I wanted to do. Um, I think, you know, your safeguarding stuff is very important. I learned a lot on that journey, um, you know, got to work with people within a club structure that I probably wouldn't have if I was just coaching. So I worked with, you know, the board, you know, HR, different, you know, departments within the football structure that make it work. They're very important as well away from the grass. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity to just really go and focus on my coaching. And, you know, I thought I'm not getting any younger. Um, you know, I'm in my forties now and, you know, I've got to really sort of like get better at this and, you know, the opportunity came up. Um, I applied. Successful what was the role? What was the role? Uh, it was it was fifteens um, coach. Yeah. So the fifteens. Yeah. So the fifteens coach role came up um, as as fifteens lead. So I thought, yeah, you know, it's a lead role. Um, you know, full time in football. They don't come up quite often. So, and you know, I know the people at the club. I'd worked there before. Obviously, there were some new faces um, from hierarchy right through, um, but. Yeah, you know, quite a few of the people had sort of stayed and, and, and have been been there quite a long time. So I thought, yeah, I'll give it a pop. Um, went through the, the application process as you do. Um, had different interviews, um, met with Scott Sellers, um, top, top guy. Um, I was sold on the first meeting, to be honest. Me, me and him, we'd planned to meet up for a 20-minute coffee um, and we ended up... I think it was over two hours. We we were still going, um, and I, I think when when someone captures you like that, you know, and we could have we could have gone on, you know, could have carried on, could have been three hours, um, and I just thought, wow, um, so much knowledge, um, really simplifies things. There's no, you know, there's no rocket science to anything. It's just real stripped back, simplifies, you know, but some real meat on the bone in 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 another context so it was like yeah i like that um and that was like a kind of informal meeting where he's kind of just getting a feel for for me as a person and, and likewise me 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 with him and then obviously that progressed on to a few other interviews and then some practical stuff so um yeah i was delighted to be offered the job after obviously there was some of the strong candidates who went for it as you could imagine um and yeah i got the job and working with some really good people now. So, yeah. 
So what, what was what, when you so talk about then then what were your first what was your first impressions as you went back into Wolves how how did it change and what were the differences between Birmingham massive, and there massive change massive change so you know I'll speak openly so when I was there before I think we were in the infancy of this whole EPP sort of structure and I think everyone was just kind of like if if someone comes up with a good idea yeah we'll do that then so you know I don't speak out of turn about any particular organisations but we we know there's organizations who influence a lot of what goes on in academies and it was kind of like yeah that that's how you do it and i think now it's kind of they're they're kind of realizing that obviously everyone's got their own little flavor and their own identity so i think wolves are, f- are finding a better identity now um it's it's kind of like a structure but a freedom within the structure and i i, I think that's kind of more up my street if it for truth be told um, they, they are focusing a lot more around individual development and that's right across the corner. So from the psychological side, right right through to the football stuff and the social and whatnot. Um, and I, I think that approach for me is, is it's, it's, it's more appropriate. Um, you know, yes. What does that look playing. like then? What, what does that look like then at the 15s? How do you get that individual development within your program? Right. Well, it's, it's actually like a good question because... Um, over the recent lockdown, I was um, given a promotion um, and I'm the South lead now for the 15s and 16s. So nice again, yeah, cheers, mate. And it's it, it's kind of like you, you've got that sort of autonomy now to kind of influence a little bit more around what you think the group need um, rather than just this is what we do, crack on, get on with it. Um, it's about like those ongoing conversations about well, I think this particular group need this. So if I look at the current 15s, they are miles different from the last year group 15s. And that's right across as people, as players, you know, their their needs. I think you just got to try and address those things on a more individual basis. Um, and I think the, the staff have really bought into it. Um, and, and like I say, that's right across all the corners. So if we've got a kid who we feel that, you know, his social development's hindering his overall performance, then there will be specific things that are put in place to support that. Um, and likewise, football, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. And, and look, you know, with all the will in the world, you, you can't do everything. Um, so we are realistic about that. Um, and, and sort of, you know, we've got to understand our resources and what we can actually do. Because it's very good to, you know, come on a podcast and say, oh, yeah, we're the best, we do this, we do that. But actually, we, what we're trying to do is get better at what we do and, and, and service people as best as we can. And to give us an idea of a typical 15 session, what that might look like. Yeah. So if, if we're looking at like a syllabus session, so the typical, you know, Wolves DNA kind of base session, we would have, um, we'd have sort of like activation with the whole group. So that would be sports science led and supported by the rest of the, the multidisciplinary team. Um, so that would be like your band work and stuff like that. You know, you've got boys who've been sat in cars coming over from, you know, Birmingham or wherever they're coming from, Burton or whatnot. So it's about just that triggering sort of, you know, activation sort of work. And there will be an element of psychological stuff in there as well. So they're having to think. Um, during that time, the boys are socialising. Um, they're talking about their day and so on and so on. Staff are getting around them to gauge moods and different things, which I think is really important. It just gives us that space to kind of really get a feel for where they're at today. And in on, on some occasions, we've actually changed what we were going to do with the players based on how we felt that they were. Um, so that was like an in-action conversation with me and 16's lead coach. And we said, look, 
we're going to do some small sided games tonight. Um, and I mean, I remember one was going to do some crossing and finishing and it was like the wind. So, diff, you know, that a different element can change what we're going to do. And I think that's really important and for us not to be too proud as coaches. So I want to do crossing and finishing, but the wind saying no. And the kids, we know what kids are like when the wind's blowing as well. Their heads are all over the place. So are they going to concentrate on, you know, just standing over there and the wind's absolutely caning them? So we didn't feel that was appropriate. So again, you change. Um, but yeah, so they've been doing some band work, activation work, that sort of stuff. Um, typically, um, on, on a certain night, they might do um, some analyses. Obviously, things have changed now, so we have to have the TV in the dome rather than a classroom. Um, first thing, have been kind enough to let us use their pop-up one, so that, that's really nice of them. Um, so we, we use that in the dome. So one, one group will be doing some analysis work and sort of lead. We're getting the kids to lead on analysis now, so giving their opinions on what they you know think they could have done to solve this or what they thought they were good at. Um, the other group might be doing gym, same again in the dome. They then flip over, so they get the, the same diet there. Um, we'd all then start start the training training session um, with a, a generalised warm up and then split off. We tend to do what we call a carousel, so they might based on numbers there might be two or three different stations um, where there'll be a ball element. So we might be doing, for example, some ball protection um, with the players, and then the sports science will be doing some physical sort of work that will be relative to the next activity. Um, we then go in, we would start that, that practice off with either some rondos or, you know, some small possession based sort of work. Uh, again, might be overloaded, um, you know, whatever that looks like, outside players, inside players, overloads. Um, we've got sort of syllabus sessions. So one part of our session will be, a practice which we've all agreed as staff work for that particular phase of work that we're doing. So, for example, we use one we call a Barca game, which everybody's seen, nothing rocket science three floaters, one in the middle, two two sort of on the ends, and then 4v4, you know, plus three kind of thing. So um, it's just lots of opportunity for them to get triangles and diamonds around the ball, um, which we feel is part of sort of what we want to develop um, in terms of how we want to play. Um, and then we'll, we'll go off into, I don't know, a phase of play into a small-sided game, into an 8v8, 11v11, whatever um, we want to do. And what's, what's, do you guys work to have a tactical cycle you work with? They're like some sort of like weekly themes? Yeah, so right? we, we work in phases. So phase one to four, and you'll always work in opposites. So, so for example, if we're doing build-up play, wherever that is on the pitch, could be building from a throw-in, could be building from a central area. Um, a higher area or a back area. The other the the, the other phase would be um, obviously press inside of it. So one coach would be working on them actually defending properly and actually getting a right press on. Um, one of the things that we've actually reflected on recently is we don't we don't change what's going on during the moment enough, and that's happening a lot in the games now. So before we typically go right a front three pressing against the what uh, you know our, our back five for example now i know a lot of teams do play a 433 but now you're getting teams flipping back to a 442 um on the press or so on and so on and you know it's about change like helping them during the session so we quite often now we'll the, the one who's doing the defending will change that without telling the the other team that they they're changing 
to do it sort of least or say like for five minutes pressing a four three three. When you hear when when you hear me clap, just change to four four two, and 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 just just to try and throw them off to see if they can actually figure yeah. out in action what's going on. So those are just reflective stuff that we've sort of as coaches come back and reflected on based on what we've been you know faced in the games, um, and and how our boys have sort of struggled when they've come up against different systems. But again, part of us reflecting is how how many times do we do that in our, in our practices. It's interesting stuff. I've seen known the Wolves guys for a long time, several years. Mark from there, and they've been using that for a long time. I've seen Wolves develop into one of the best academies in the country now in terms yeah. of what they're delivering. What, yeah. I mean, what I mean, you know, what is the aspirations? I mean, for the academy, I mean, what, where, how far, what, what is, you know, you become well, like a, one of the powerhouse in, in the Midlands, you want to come like the power, one of the best, you know, the best academy in the country. What's, what's the ambitions for the academy? I think, I think we're, we're sort of shooting for the stars, to be honest. If we, if we fall in the clouds, it's not too bad. Um, I, I think I think you've got to aspire to the highest. Um, I think you've got to be realistic um, as well. You know, if, if you look at some of the powerhouses and the resources that, that they've got, the demographics, you know, there's all sorts of other factors that will, will affect that. But I think you, you, you've got to have high aspirations. Um, you know, and I've, I've seen where... You know, people have, 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 if you would like, gone past where people thought they that they could actually get to in the past. So it has been done. Um, I'm I'm very very hopeful that, that you know we're we're onto a good thing. I've seen the change. It's been great going away, seeing something different, and then coming back and seeing how they've sort of progressed and and what in the direction that you know the the hierarchy, of the club, Jeff, you know, Scott. Um, John, John and Tobira, you know, where they see it going. Um, it's it's amazing, the transformation. Um, I think our overall goal is to become self-sustainable. Um, I think we want to produce players for the first team, 100%. We want to, you know, get, have players who are playing at an international level throughout the age groups and obviously right up to first team um, and, 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 and representing and, and, and doing well. But, I think ultimately, I think the club's aim is for us to be self-sustainable. So I think, I think for us, the, the pressure's higher, but you know, the pressure's where the diamonds are made. So for me, I think yeah, it's good. Okay. And what about yourself? What are your own aspirations in the game? At the minute, I'm just trying to focus on being the best 15-16 solid going. Um, I think if I can get that right. Um, you know, and, and that's going to happen over time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, I think if I can, if I can focus on that, and 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 utilize the expertise and the, and the staff that are around me to help me to achieve what I need, I think then you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that that will then set you up for your next challenge. I don't know what that challenge is yet. Um, I, I quite like keeping my eye on what, what I'm doing at the minute, especially if it's quite new. So, you know, I've only been in this role a few months, so there's a lot of stuff that I haven't done before. Um, and, uh, and I think if I just, just do it in bite-sized chunks, especially with the, the brain getting a bit older now, <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. as flexible as it was. Um, I think, yeah, I think focus on, on being, being the best version of me at the minute and then, you know, what that looks like in two, three years' time, we'll see. What advice would you give to a young aspiring coach wanting to have like a career in a game like yourself who's worked at some top clubs? Never stop learning. Never stop learning would be one for me. Um, 
you know, I, I, I got to a stage in, in the foundation phase where I thought I, I knew quite a lot. And actually coming away from it, I, I actually look back now and think you, you didn't you didn't know much at all. <laughs> I could go back into foundation phase now and learn so much. Um, and I think people almost see the the, the game as like um, it's like levels in a, in a in a in a FIFA game, and it's not like people think. Oh, yeah, I've mastered pre academy now. I, now I need to do uh, foundation phase. I've mastered foundation phase now. I need to do YDP. Now I've done YDP. Now I need to PDP. I don't think it is. I think you need to have an experience of working at different levels and different age groups. And then I think you'll naturally gravitate towards where you're best served and be humble around that. Um, and don't see anything as kind of like a promotion or a demotion in football, because I see a lot of people now and I'll use the Jude Bellingham one. And you asked me the question, what was he like? You know, when did you know? A lot, a lot of that is around his personality and his background, but but a club will want to take uh, the props for for doing that. Jude Bellingham, for me, if you ask me, God's honest truth, and this is just my opinion, I think if you stuck him in a in a school playground and put him in the right year group, I think he'd still be as good. I think he just certain players just need challenging and a football, wherein some players need a lot more work and a lot more help um, and a lot more if you would, typical coaching. So I think it's about just being being humble as a coach and recognising what, what your individuals within your group need and then sort of framing that up as best as possible so that you service the, the individual best. And that, that, that's something I'm trying to get better at myself now. So recognising, because we've got, you know, 20-odd kids in our group. I, I think last year we had like 27 kids in a, in a group or something like that. And, you know, Again, it's like you know what the academy structure looks like. How much time do you actually spend with those kids? Because if you've got if you've got a decent player, might be with the 18s for majority of the week, then he comes back with you for a game, and then he's over there. And it's like, how do you make sure that that learning and that you know that process is, is carrying on within within that person's journey? And it's managing all those situations and the wider stuff. So what's going on at home? What's going on at school? How, how, how many coaches know if they're if their players have got a brother or sister, how many know what's their favorite food? That might be the most important thing to that kid. But for me and you, we're just thinking about bibs, balls and cones and how are we going to play through the thirds? When actually, if you got to know that person a little bit better, the through the third stuff will come anywhere. They still need the through the thirds work, by the way. <laughs> but I just think, I think we've got, we've got, what I'm trying to say is we've got to, got to spend more time to develop the relationships. I'd say build relationships. Um, be humble and never stop learning. Wes, mate, thanks very much. It's been fantastic. Appreciate your time. Cool, mate. Thanks for the invite. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.